Hello, Middle Church. Welcome. Hi. This is a day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Will you please stand with me for our welcome and invitation to worship? As the digital minister here, I feel like an obligation to read it from my phone. <laughs> Let us pray. We gather in this place in awe of you, Holy One, in thin times and in times thick with joy, though through all the ups and downs of our lives, we can count on you. Reminding us that when we can do nothing, you are still God. Thank you for that blessed assurance. Draw us close to you and keep your eyes on us, God. Increase our faith, increase our hope in your unchanging hand. We love you. Amen. Please be seated. Actually. Actually. Oh, actually, please stand up. <laughs> for our opening hymn, Hold to God's Unchanging Hands.
for today's message for all ages, instead of spreading a blanket, I am spreading these jump ropes. Woo! We're gonna make one big circle. So instead of inviting you to join me on the blanket, I'm gonna invite young and young at heart to join me inside the circle. Can we all fit inside the circle? Yes, yes. Inside, are we in? Oh good, our we care buddies are gonna join us too. Yes, can we all fit inside the circle? All of us are in almost. I know it's different today. Where's our blanket? We have a circle. There's room for everyone right inside. You can go on the other side of the purple jump rope. Perfect, yes. Okay, so we're all in. Now can you stand up with me? Because something's gonna happen to this circle. We're gonna stand up and you won that round. You did awesome. We all fit in the circle, you won. Excellent, but what if the circle is this size? Take a step back so the jump rope doesn't hit you, friends. What if the circle, step back, please. What if the circle's this size? Can you all fit in the circle? Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Did we do it? Did we do it? I think so. Excellent, you won that round. You worked together. Okay, you won two rounds. It's about to get tough. Take a step back for me. One safe, giant step back, okay. What if the circle is this size? Oh my goodness. How can we all fit in the circle? Is that gonna work? Are we all gonna be able to stand inside this one? How can we all fit in? What other ways are there? I don't know, I don't know, my feet are big. I don't think I'm gonna get in this way, guys. You think you know? How can we do it? Oh, if we all just put like one foot in? Does that work? That was good problem solving. We're all in the circle. You still met the mission, good job. You guys worked together to figure out a creative solution here. You looked to one another to say, it's important for everyone to be in here. You showed in all three rounds of winning together that we are not free until everybody is free. Yeah. yeah. That we're not saved until everybody is saved. That when we work together, we can look and turn to one another and say, you matter. You're in the circle too. And I'm not going to just push my way in and forget about the person who's next to me. That is what we need more of these days. Yes. Our young people said, uh-uh, there's a different way to look at this problem. We can all fit by including one another. We'll all still fit in the circle. Good work, my friends. While we're in this circle, let's take a hand next to our buddy and say a prayer, remembering we are not free till everybody is free. Here we go. Dear God, thank you for this reminder that we have one another, that we all can work together to fit inside the circle. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's help the grown-ups remember this truth this week as well. Let's sing some Siahamba and continue with worship today. Amen. Good morning, Middle Church. It is a joy to look out and see 
some old faces that have come back, and some new friends um, from France and other parts of the world. So if you are visiting Middle Church for the first time today, if you could just raise your hand so we could acknowledge you. Thank you so much. Beautiful, beautiful. And I know this whole group here is from France, so bonjour and welcome to Middle Church. Yes, and where are you visiting from? France, beautiful. And in the back, Holland, Netherlands, and, sir? Brooklyn, wonderful. Yay, Brooklyn! Um, and all of you can stay connected to us on our website, on the homepage at any time during the worship. You can go to our homepage on your phones and you can join our email list to stay connected or subscribe to our YouTube channel. And always you can join the church from anywhere in the world. So we're so glad you're here in person. My name is Christina Fleming and I'm the Director of Communications here at Middle Church. Our senior minister, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, is on vacation. So we send our love to Jackie if she's watching online from her home, or hopefully she's resting too. Um, and some announcements for today. Um, Rob Stevens, Reverend Rob Stevens, is in the house. You want to stand up, Rob? <laughs> he is our minister for organizing, and he is off, often out and about in the country with Reverend Dr. William Barber. So he was just back from the border a couple of weeks ago, organizing a mass uh, organizing campaign down there and always working around the country. So we thank you for being our voice in this world. Um, and then after worship today, there'll both be a worship uh, sermon talkback as well as an amazing uh, presentation with Jorge and Jonathan Soto. Jorge, are you, I know you're here. If you want to just stand up. Uh, he's gonna, Jorge is going to be leading a discussion on the importance of Census 2020, um, and, and there'll be a strong, amazing presentation up here and then time for Q&A, and so often, all the time, um, people of color are underrepresented in the census. And so if you um, can stay and hear more about how we're, how we're organizing and how Jorge and his colleagues are organizing, and also especially people from of Puerto Rican descent, um, that they be counted as well in this next census. Um, please stay for, as a way to connect and learn more about how we can organize on those things. Um, Butterfly, we thank you for, we had an amazing crew this morning making sandwiches, so thank you for those people who came out early this morning. And we need two more people to help deliver butterfly sandwiches. And what those are, if you're visiting, are we make a brown bag lunch that's delivered to the park every Sunday after worship. If you want to help deliver those sandwiches, um, if you would just raise your hand. Uh, wonderful. So I see, wonderful. Is there one more? If not, beautiful. And Gloria, can you stand up? So if you, are, if you are looking for this, this summer ways to volunteer, uh, Gloria and Middle Church are in need of volunteers for a butterfly, so you can connect with her after worship if you'd like to sign up to make sandwiches this summer. And also summer choir, if you are interested in that as well, that is, uh, has ways for you can serve this summer. John, I know that you want to make an announcement, and I know you're in the room because you are. Rob Stevens, what are you doing here, buddy? Whoa, welcome. Um, <laughs> last week I made an announcement about some uh, uh, workshops that are happening for the gospel choir, but we're opening it up to the congregation and the community at large. So we've had some great response. Um, there's a workshop today on vocal technique and song leading, and that's from 2 to 3.30 in the uh, community room. There's another one. Wednesday from 6.30 to 8.30, next Sunday and then next Tuesday. Um, the final workshop, we're going to have a guest choir join us and we're going to be doing some music together. So if you're interested in kind of stepping into it, um, we'd love to have you. If you go to our uh, webpage, they put it in summer activities and all I ask is that you sign up so that we know that you're coming. You don't have to do anything but sign up and then we take care of the rest. So if you were curious about gospel choir or singing gospel music or reading music or doing some things to kind of 
open up uh, your horizons, and we'd love to have you, and I just wanted to invite you. Thank you, Middle. Thanks, John. And there's a, if you check the website, there's ways this week you can do middle mixers um, to connect more deeply with one another and build your relationships within Middle Church, as well as amazing adult ed education opportunities. All right, if you could join me in a season of prayer, um, I, what's going to happen is I'm going to lead us through a brief moment of silence, then I will um, give a short prayer, and then George will do the rest of the prayer through song, and then we'll come back after he has sung beautifully, and we will do the Lord's Prayer together. So if you could plant your feet deeply on the ground. Um, I rarely sit straight up, but I invite you to sit straight up. And uh, take a deep breath into your core of your being. And then take another deep breath to the sole of your feet. Hey God, thank you for gathering us today. Meet us today. Meet us where our pain and our questions and our mysteries lie. Meet us in the place in our lives where there are not easy answers and that we ask for your tangible presence of peace to be present. The violence in America overwhelms, stirs, has the potential to make us numb and calls us to action. We pray for all the families who are burying their loved ones this week in El Paso, in Mexico, and in Dayton. And we pray for an end to the violence and terrorism toward brown-skinned immigrants. We thank you that Amanda is taking our letter to Mitch McConnell's home in Kentucky for gun control. As death has been so close this week, we pray for direction on how to be present to those we love in the now and to be your love to be present as we mourn a diversity of grief in our lives. We celebrate the gift that you gave us in the fierce and prophetic Toni Morrison, who believed that the measure of our lives can be found in the language we use. We thank you for her truth-telling, her fierce confidence, and her body of work that gifted us sentence by sentence on race, on creativity, on slavery, on truth. With the truth she gifted us, she was also so plain to each of us, calling us each to create. If you've got a book you really want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. As each of us live, we craft our collective and individual stories of our lives, and we pray that her courage may live in us. She wrote in the early hours, the magical hours before dawn. Thank you for those hours and those moments in this summer where there is silence and creativity and magic. And as we seek for your love to be lived out loud in these times, she reminded us that love is divine only and difficult always. If you think it's easy, you are a fool. If you think it's natural, you are blind. Bathe us in this fierce love, this uneasy love, this courageous love. Hold us and allow us to listen for your truth. Guide us to create and let us be the language of radical and revolutionary love that is both tender and fierce. As we continue to pray, George will lead us in the song, What the World Needs Now is Love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Lord, we don't need another mountain. There are mountains and hillsides enough to climb. There are oceans and rivers enough to cross, enough to last till the end of time. But what the world needs. 
love, sweet love, it's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, no, not just for some, but for everyone. Lord, we don't need another meadow. There are cornfields and wheat fields enough to grow. There are sunbeams and moonbeams enough to shine. Oh, listen, Lord, if you want to know what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some. In the spirit of love for everyone, please rise and join the hand of the person next to you if you do not want to be touched, if you'll just put your hand in your pocket or behind your back. Um, and please join us for the Lord's Prayer uh, written in your bulletin, or you can say it in the language or the version that you grew up in. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. especially with those you don't know this morning.
say amen for the choir. Amen. Let the church say amen for Alvin. Amen. Let the church say amen for George. Amen. Let the church say amen for church. Amen. And for Christina. Amen. It's a wild, wild world. If uh, if, if my sermon title didn't tell you, it, it, I've been a little worried about the world. It's called Absent God. Um, if, this, if you're not worried about the world, then I'd, I'd actually suggest you go get a checkup. <laughs> get that pulse checked out. Because it is a crazy place. And there's a lot going on. But it's so good to, uh, to be at middle. To come home. Uh, like a yeah. it's like a cool drink of water. Just thinking about y'all in this sermon writing uh, made me uh, feel it. Um, so let's go to the scripture before I pray. Today we'll be uh, reading from Luke. And since it's summertime, I got a bonus scripture for Hebrews 2. So, Luke 12, verse 32 through 40. Listen now for a word from God. Luke 12, 32 through 40. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, 
Blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Now from Hebrews 10.39 through 11.1 and 11.13 through 16, Hebrews 11. But we are not of those who shrink back and so are lost, but among those who have faith and so are saved. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Thirteen, all of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has a prepared a city for them. Please pray with me. O oh, holy creator and whole God, we come to you with thanksgiving on our hearts, knowing that you have brought us here for a reason. We thank you for handpicking each person in the pews and online to be a part of this worship experience. We ask that you now move through our hearts that we may suspend time as we know it and open up to your time, to Cairo's time for the inbreaking of your spirit now. May we leave this place different than how we came. We pray all this in your mighty, many, and loving names. Amen. So good morning again, Middle Church. Today's text includes one of Jesus' several parables about a master leading his servants and slaves with the keys to the kingdom, leaving them with the keys to the house. Today we are told to keep the lamps lit and to stay dressed for action, which is the NRSV version, but the direct translation, which I like a little bit more, is to gird our loins, which you look up is not as uh, you know, racy as it sounds. Uh, just to get the tunic all wrapped up around and so you can run better. Uh, but these stories never sat well with me as a kid growing up in church, to be honest. They seem to be saying to us, watch out. You never know when God is coming for you. Keep your head on a swivel. Jesus could show up at any moment and catch you stealing that last oatmeal cream pie from the closet. And yes, I would actually eat that last oatmeal cream pie and begin my prayer for forgiveness before the last bite was down just to make sure I didn't get caught in sin. It was a stressful life. And now that I've grown up and get to enjoy the luxuries of adulthood, like eating ice cream every night and sometimes in the morning, where the only real regret is physical and not existential. I find myself with a different quarrel with the text today. See, I don't like that we're talking about masters or slaves and servants as if it's a legitimate metaphor in the first place. I imagine I'd be more interested in how the servants could squat on the land and create a model of cooperative ownership that they do in Acts, in the next book of Luke-Acts, so that when the master comes back, he no longer can rule over others. And of course, the master would be welcome to join the co-op. When my kind-hearted and thoughtful spouse, Hershey, read that intro, she told me it was one of the whitest things I had ever written. <laughs> she said, you can't even handle a parable about not being in charge of everything. You have to theorize your way out of it and then call it moral. Hmm. Well, what can you do? I still, like, I still don't like these stories. 
And as I read the section of scripture earlier in the chapter for the text today, I found myself even more put off by Jesus' anxiety-inducing warnings. Just 10 short verses earlier, Jesus tells the disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? Come on, Jesus. Which one is it? Perpetual neurotic vigilance or hakuna matata, no worries, be happy. (laughs) Because as I said, this parable is not an isolated incident. Jesus tells several of these parables about a master of the house going on a journey and coming back unexpected to judge the servants. There's the parable of the talents where the servants receive different numbers of talents and the master comes back to see what they did with them. There's the parable of the bridegroom and ten bridesmaids, half of whom were disowned forever because they didn't bring enough oil for the lamps. And each of these caused me to feel like God acted more like a hidden camera or a big brother waiting around the corner to jump and catch you in the act than the all-loving God we talked about. So I wasn't keen at first about this scripture, and, but as many of you know, It's the scriptures that make you the most uncomfortable that are often the ones you need to hear the most right now. These stories of Jesus are often called by scholars parables of stewardship. They tell stories of people, often described as servants or slaves, left in charge of a place that does not belong to them. They are judged by their behavior in the absence of the rightful owner. They were stewards of the property, lands, and people left to them. But on another level, as Justo Gonzalez argues in his book on Luke, these are also stories about the absence of God. He argues that the theme of God's absence is actually central to Jesus' ministry and message while he walked this world. Now, if the idea of a gotcha God who was waiting to catch us in sin wasn't off-putting, now we have a God who comes up missing. And yet Jesus knew that the disciples and all of us, each of us, would find ourselves at times feeling the absence of God. See, there's other parables where we are the ones who leave God. We are the ones who wander away from God's love, like the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son. And in fact, as a good, repentant Protestant, I like these parables more. In these these parables, I'm in control. I'm the sheep who wanders away. I'm the son who decides to leave with my inheritance and run away. I can find comfort in my human depravity because I know what to do when I'm lost. But what about when it feels like God is lost? What about when a 21-year-old drives 10 hours to kill 22 strangers in a Walmart in El Paso? 22 children of the Most High God. They weren't lost sheep, or prodigal sons, or daughters, or children. The oldest was 90 years old. The youngest was 15. What about when another man kills nine human beings in less than a minute in Dayton? What can we say about God when the most explicitly white supremacist president, probably since Woodrow Wilson, makes a statement condemning white supremacy, and the next day while he is in El Paso supposedly comforting victims who are targeted because of the anti-immigrant xenophobia he has fueled, his administration carries out what ICE will proudly, proudly call the largest raid in U.S. history, where nearly 700 workers handcuffed in Mississippi factories in a campaign of terror, leaving children and families unattended and traumatized. Where is God? When these mass shootings and the terror campaigns against immigrants are most horrifying, not in their unique terror, but that they have become a mundane reality 
of American life. Yes, I don't think I've liked these stewardship parables because ultimately they are asking us to be responsible for a deeply broken world. And we are reaping now the horror of what happens when stewards get confused by the freedom and responsibility given to them and given to us. And, come, and those who come to think that they or we are the master just because we have the keys. Those who, like the unfaithful slave in the following part of chapter 12, begin to use that freedom to control the world around them and drunk on power beat others into submission. So what is it that God wants from us when God is absent? Henry Nouwen says, as we become aware of God's absence, we discover God's presence. And as we realize that God left us, we also come to know that God did not leave us alone. It may be instructive to take a look at where we find ourselves in the gospel story midway through Luke. Here we are no longer dealing with, let the little ch children come to me, Jesus. This is not the Jesus of sweet lullabies and Christian love songs. This Jesus has turned a corner, turned a corner towards Golgotha, towards Calvary, towards his own crucifixion. And he is looking at the world with brutal clarity. Just in the middle of Luke is, Jesus in the middle of Luke is not comforting in the traditional sense. Later in chapter 12, verse 39, he will say, I came to bring fire to earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. It is as Sonia Sanchez described the immortal brilliance of Toni Morrison this week on Democracy Now! saying, Toni Morrison looked at the world with a cold and a warm eye. That she helped us look at the world with great clarity and to speak truth about it with unmolested language and unmolested truth. Yes, the prophetic love and ministry and unmolested language of our brother Jesus prepares us for times like now. When, to use Toni Morrison's words, the parasitical nature of white freedom comes to hound our souls. Love that line from Playing in the Dark. The parasitical nature of white freedom. It is a parasitical white freedom because it is a freedom that garners its strength from oppression. This corrupted American freedom is what allowed our founders to have no uh, problem holding liberty and justice for all in one hand and holding people in chains in another, to paraphrase Karen and Barbara Fields. It is a form of freedom that requires slavery to affirm its freedom. It is a version of freedom that is most threatened by the real thing. And yet it is, it is in times like these when God feels so painfully absent that it also becomes so clear what God's justice does not look like. So clear how untenable a world without God and without God's mercy and justice would be. In God's absence, the beauty of humanity and creation becomes all the more urgent, urgently important because we see how precious it is. This is what the story of the good steward means to me. We must keep our loins girded and lamps lit because the paradox of Christ is that it is through the crucifixion, in and through death, that death is destroyed. This paradox of Christ. This is as Dr. King says, somehow I know only when it is dark enough can I see the stars somehow, that if we can learn to look at the world as our ancestor Toni Morrison did, with cold and sober eyes at the brutal reality we find ourselves in, with the cold, hard, unmolested truths that the soul-killing myths of white freedom, white supremacy, and yes, white Christianity are parasitic and grotesquely warped idols that leave no one unscathed. If we are able to look at the world and one another with the warm eyes of resurrection, with the warm eyes that see each other as human beings, each with a divine spark, with a warmth that can only be described 
as hope. Two weeks ago, I joined Bianca and hundreds of other people of faith and moral witnesses in El Paso and marched on a detention center where hundreds of refugees were being caged. We were there for a moral Monday at the borderlands, and we were two miles from the Walmart where the tragedy would occur less than a week later. In fact, the organizers from Repairs of the Breach who got there early used that Walmart for last-minute supplies throughout the week. On Monday night after the action, our friend and comrade Ilka Vega from the Hope Border Institute, who joined us for the conference in April, took me to the top of a parking deck to look out over the city of El Paso. That night from the parking deck, when you look out over the city, you cannot tell where the United States of America ends and Mexico begins. It's like one big city. Yes, somehow I know. Only when it is dark enough can you see past the borders to see beyond the walls created by man. Yes, this thing called faith is a paradox because it is not logical. You don't need faith for something you're sure is going to happen. It doesn't make sense. It defies our desire to control and be in charge. The brutality of El Paso, Dayton, Orlando, Charleston, Pittsburgh, and too many other tragedies to name are not God's plan. And yet we are called in these moments to even more desperately cling to a vision of a better world. To know that this world is not final. That there is something beyond us all, a city called heaven that is calling to something deeply within us all to be responsible right now to all of creation. That's why we call it faith and not a fact. Our faith tells us God is there even when around us seems to suggest God is absent. In that faith, we must more boldly consider what it means that God left us the keys to the kingdom, beloved. We are left the keys to the kingdom. No, we can't pray our way out of it. We can't logic our way out of it. We've got the keys. We've been given the keys. And we're not in charge. It's kind of big and scary. While the master is away, we have to care for one another. The truth is we cannot bring the master back, especially when God feels like God's missing. But everything we do can bring the kingdom to here on earth. Whereas... The Hebrews said, And all these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And we are not of those who shrink back and so are lost, but among those who have faith and so are saved. And so, beloved middle, let us have faith that is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. May it be so. Amen. Thanks, Rob. Who needs to join the movement? Aren't you guys glad you're here anyway? Yeah. Well, middle, my name is Elise Torelli. Uh, I am the Director of Community Resources and Engagement here on staff. Peep the title change, it's new. Uh, thank you for laughing with me. Uh, something that you may not know about me is that when I was in college, I was the Vice President of Community Service for my fraternity which means that I organized over 35 hours of volunteer service for over 300 students every single semester. It was labor intensive, uh, it was unpaid, it was a role that nobody else wanted, and it was one that I repeatedly stepped into with excitement. Why on earth? Well, I heard once that being a leader means being a servant. 
I thought, okay, biblical, sure. But beyond that, I also realized that it was really about care and connection. I think volunteer work is one of the easiest ways we reflect the image of God back to one another and to the world. I think it's one of the most accessible ways that we partner alongside our community as the community. And what I mean by that is, if you have a need, then I have a need. I'm not free until you're free, and I'm not without burden while you're standing next to me carrying a heavy load. All of which Marta and the kids beautifully demonstrated today earlier in worship. And middle, I think we have the justice out in the world leadership servanthood down. I do. But where I want to invite us all deeper into this movement of love and justice is in volunteering for our at-home ministries, uh, which in many ways is our at-home justice initiatives. This of course looks like butterfly and it of course looks like leading a small group, but it also looks like helping to fold bulletins or make kids binders during the week. It looks like signing up to be an usher. And it looks like volunteering to prepare coffee every Sunday morning or serving food during community hour. We don't always talk about those when we talk about volunteering. So of course, I want to invite you to donate financially in whatever capacity you can to build this movement. Things like butterfly and community hour and service learning trips and middle mixers, those don't happen without the financial support of this community. And I want to invite you to take it one step further and donate your time. Justice starts within these walls, and it begins with us. So to get engaged as a volunteer, you can do one of three things. You can join Christina up at the pulpit after worship to learn about how to join the movement and also indicate you'd like to volunteer. You can shoot me an email at etorelli at middlechurch.org, which is conveniently spelled out for you in the third flap of your bulletin. My number is also listed, but I am a millennial, so please email me. And you can also take the green visitor card in front of you in the pews. You can put your name, your email, and it says, I would like to volunteer, and just check off whatever you want, write some things in. Middle, I love you. I'm so thankful to be here. When I can't find God, I come here and I find God in you. Thank you for listening. And I would like to now invite the ushers to come forward to collect the offering. Thank you.
God, thank you for the many, many resources you have given us. We give back to you our many gifts of volunteering, of time, and of money so that we may live into a city called heaven in the now and present time. Amen. Amen. Friends, join me as we sing Rich Man's House, I Cannot Do It Alone. Please, it is, the words are on the back of your bulletin. We cannot do this alone. Let the church say amen for Allison, Nicholson, and for Dion. Thank you for that music. Uh, you know, they it really had to depend on the spirit to know what I was going to preach about, so they, they did well, because I didn't send my notes until yesterday. Um, one thing that's nice about when the boss is away, what we get to decide is uh, whether to have a sermon talk back or to come to the census gathering. And I want to come here about the census. Um, so people can go with sermon talk back, but I won't be there. I want to come here. Um, so right after, I, I might, we can go hang out and do what we need to do, and then uh, we'll all come back to the uh, sanctuary at noon, at noon uh, for the discussion led by Jorge. Uh, that'd be great. Also, two uh, additional items on the uh, program for Wednesday, uh, People Not Things, uh, Genesis B's. Uh, People Not Things exhibit at 6.30. Uh, you can contact Marta for more information about that. And then I am so jealous, uh, I almost don't want to tell you to go. But 
On Thursday, August 15th, from 7 to 9.30 at Judson Memorial is Ibram Kendi's book reading. And his new book, if you haven't read his old book, you need to read it. I, uh, I'm, I've pre-ordered it for months, the, the new book that's coming out, How to Be an Anti-Racist, uh, which will come out Tuesday. But are you all going to get the copy on Thursday night? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you check that out. And, uh, and I think Marion is going and... Uh, you can talk to Marion about it as well. All right. I think that's it. Is that it? So this week we had um, on, uh, if you get a chance to look at what Eddie Glaude said on CNN. Uh, had one of the best two-minute pieces on the country. And he said that the United States, our country, is not unique uh, in its sins. We're not the only country that has done terrible things to people and built our uh, wealth on oppression. All right, United States. All right. Where we may be singular is in our refusal to look at it, in our refusal to deal with it. And we can only hope that things like this will force us to. But as James Baldwin says, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. So I invite you to once again step back into this wild world. Step into this world that is hungry for love, that is desperate for unmolested truth. So go now in the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, dismiss us from this place, but never from your spirit. We love you, God. Go with us and bring us back again to middle. In your many mighty, loving, and tender names we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.